Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode number 219 for January 22nd, although it says 22nd on my notes here, uh, for 2020. This week's top Patreon supporters are Lakeside Woodcrafter, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta, Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, the boys over at Maybe I've said too much, especially Izzy Swan, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Rate, Darren Mattis, Kling Spore, Joshua Alexander, Isotunes. Tim, do you have that uh, trombone uh, handy there? Here's nope, a new I have one. A trumpet. Yep. Whatever. Uh, it's brass. Tim Holliner. I'm going to say it again because I think we, do we do the thing first and then say the name? Yes. Or say the name then. The, okay. All right, you know what? Let's just do this again. Give me the trombone. Hit me Hit me up with the trumpet or whatever you got there. You want me to play the fanfare first, then you're going to say the name? Yeah. Try to, yeah. Try to sound we, a little more like a, a margarine commercial, though, when you do that. I can't believe it's not I don't, a trumpet. Yeah, I don't even understand that. Okay, <laughs> okay and uh, new Patreon. Brand take, new take Patreoner. <laughs> Tim. Holliner, probably. Yay. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. I assume I am. I assume I am. And uh, of course, Gangi and Pop Up Makerspace. Guess what? I got my uh, my uh, my sand table thingy. It just you got came your sand, in the mail. Your zen garden. <laughs> Yay! My Zen nice. garden, and it is tremendous. Thank you so much. It's yes. awesome. I just have to find some sand now. I know mine's under three feet of snow, so well, not quite feet, but. <laughs> I haven't gotten to yeah, the same I've actually either. I've got a trip planned this weekend, that coming weekend, to go out uh, close enough to San Francisco to where I'm going to go ahead and just keep going and get to the beach and get my uh, little pail and bring home some sand for that box. Could you get uh, some of that? The you know where you go to Glass Beach or whatever, that could be cool in there. I, well, actually, that was my next thought is because that's in Hayward, so I can run over there and uh, find some glass mm-hmm. to also kind of yeah. decorate the little box with. And then I'll post yeah. some pictures of it. I, you know, obviously it's really cool. And then also, uh, Greg, if if you're actually selling these or you want some kind of promotion, you should probably let us know. I'd be happy to tell people, hey, see Gengi at poppop.com to get right. your very own or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he, I know he said he was in, he was going to be selling them, but I don't think he told us where to promote it. I because I don't think he is yet. I think these are he's still in the yeah. prototyping stage. Right. Oh, we have to decide right. if they suck or not. If they don't suck, then yeah. oh, so our we're like gods. We are beta testers. I, I was gonna say more like more deities. like guinea pigs. <laughs> oh. <Gods>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little different. A little Jeez. different. Yeah. Teeny tiny. Uh, yeah. So that's fun. What um what are we working on? Uh, let's go to uh, let's go to Bill Lutz who just gave me the stink eye. That's because I'm not working on anything. Weather has been wet and horrible, and I just haven't gone out in the shop. I've been working on my yard. My landlords came back for a few weeks, so I've been helping them with a few items around their house. Uh, yeah, just I, not not a lot. Just not a lot. Gotta tell you, that's okay. This is it's not mandatory that you have something going on. It's just an opportunity to discuss it. If you were, I don't want to make you feel bad. In my for- heart, Phil. It's mandatory. Well, I don't want to make you feel bad for sitting on your butt for you know for the last seven. Okay, seven now there's days. a difference between <laughs> I've not started making something and just sitting on my okay. butt. Although I do okay. sit on my butt a lot, that's not the point. Okay. Okay, just wanted to just wanted yeah. to clarify right. that point. Uh, Tim. Yeah. You're up. You're up, slugger. What uh, okay. What are you working on there? Um, unlike Bill, I've been productive. <laughs> yeah, because you got to get things done around here. Yeah. Um, well, I'm 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 still working on the five-string guitar as well as the six-string bass, and uh, I'm still we're almost ready on that. I was talking before about making this five-string uh, Chinese pipa. Uh, we're almost there on that, um, 
And then I was also working on I'm working on a, some guitars just on my own, like that aren't necessarily sold yet. And I'm working on redesigning my uh, guitar necks a little bit, uh, kind of doing some some design and stuff, uh, designing some potential acoustics. Like so, I've got a lot of guitar stuff going on. But what I wanted to mention now was not that I wanted to mention that I just kind of firmed up uh, two things this week that I'm going to be doing. I'm actually going to be out and about doing like the maker circuit this year a little bit. I'm going to WorkbenchCon, uh, oh, which cool. is in Atlanta. Nice. So that's, uh, was it, February 20th to 22nd. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not going as an exhibitor or anything. I'm going with um, <clears throat> with MakerMade CNC, the, the Maslow CNC guys, 3D printer guys. Um, I love those guys. They're so so cool. Um, I'm super excited to hang out with, with them, um, you know, a little bit too. And, and like I was just firming this up this week with Chris on the phone and we were on the phone for two and a half hours just swapping stories and talking about ideas and stuff. He's just very creative just, and an interesting just guy. Just grill talk, yeah. Yeah, He's yeah. He's not by me, isn't he? Ar- Arkansas. So uh, closer close to me. Close enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> halfway. Right next to California. <laughs> you know, it's uh, practically neighbors. Uh, Stone's throw. <laughs> but um, so I'm excited to go out there and uh, see that was with them because they want – because it's, you know, Workbench Con's more about, like, uh, content creation than – um, yeah. You know, but so they have they have like their these three D printers and they have plans beyond what they're doing now, uh, so it makes sense for them to start getting plugged into that scene. They want to you know sort of and I was like yeah, I was like I know some people. I'll I'll go with you and introduce you to people that I can and you know and and we'll hang out and so that'll be a lot of fun. We're just gonna go hang out because they were thinking about getting a booth at first, but they're like incredibly expensive, and and it, yeah. was, it was like you know why don't we just go hang out and have fun instead of like manning a booth you know. Um, well, if you, you could literally introduce them to everybody they'd want to speak to, like who couldn't yeah. you introduce them to? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I think so, but you know, um, yeah. yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, uh, we we know all the cool kids, so. Um, well, we know of them. Yeah, we've heard of them. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't mean they know who I am. Them all too. <laughs> I think we've heard them all, whether uh, they wanted it or not. Yeah. Yeah, and then the other thing it looks like I'm going to be doing is going to Maker Central um, in May. Whoa! Wow. Yeah, look at this globe trotter. You're like a real star now. Um, wow. Well, so Vectric is one of the sponsors of that, and it was like three years ago, like the first year they did it, and I heard about it, and I contacted them because they're in England, you know, and I was like, hey, you guys should be there. It's like, fly me out, I'll go with you. And they're like, ah, we'll look into it. And then they ended up going and like having this wonderful time and becoming like heavily involved. They're actually like sponsoring the main stage or whatever, um, and they, and they like they really like this year they really want to go all out and and uh, so then you know the first year they were there they had a poster me and people were taking pictures with the poster me going hey look I met Tim in England you know and like haha <laughs> and and they wrote to me they're like oh we totally should have had you here I'm like yeah I know and then last year they they went and they didn't bring me I'm like come on guys <laughs> so this year I was like I was like kind of talking to them like hey you know I'd really love to go out there. Um, they're like, well, we'll look into it, and and you know, basically, I was just like, you know, give me a give me a plane ride in a hotel room, and I'll hang out at your booth, and you know, and and uh, and you know, same thing, like introduce people, you know, talk to people. I was like, and it's, it turned out apparently I'm going to be doing a presentation now. <laughs> I'm there though. Look at oh, you! I'm so, so they were, growing up so fast. They were like, well, they were like, yeah, okay, we'll fly you out, um, and and do this with you. And Avid CNC is going to be there too, so we're going to get them involved. Um, they're like, but you know, would would it be okay? We booked a slot, a half hour slot on the main stage. You want to do it? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we're gonna do something like, um, kind of like CNC for dummies, kind of a thing. Because like, I'm not, you know, the idea of like, the kind of the premise is like, if this monkey can run a CNC, meaning me, then like, then anybody can. So I'm gonna, I what we're talking about doing is I'm gonna do a live demonstration, like where my you know screen grab will be up on the big screen, and I'm gonna actually just make something like a 2D cut you know, on the, right on the stage and send it over to the Avid CNC machine and print it out. And, but before the presentation's done, like be holding it to show people like, don't be intimidated by this. If you can, you know, y- yes, you have to learn it, but you can do it too. You know, mm-hmm. instead of, cause when the people that are like pros at it, do it and they, they talk the jargon and they, you know, like, well, you got to set your, but you know, like I, I don't talk that way. I don't even know those words. I just like, I'm going to draw a box. Now I'm going to cut the box, you know? And so that's kind of the mm-hmm. idea. So and then I'm gonna do I'm gonna get to go see their headquarters and hang out for a couple of days too. So I'm really looking forward to that. Amazing, Congrats, Sam, that, that's cool stuff, man. Yeah. So yeah. I will be at those two things. It looks like, which is interesting. Wow. I, I don't want to take like a hundred percent credit for your success, but I think a reasonable amount would be like seventy <laughs> percent. 
I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna say when you add your seventy and my five, it's three quarters of his success. It's a good it's a good amount, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I think a shout out at this presentation would make a hundred. A reclaimed sense. audio shout out might be the thing yeah. to do. They, oh, I you know, know, everybody, I might be everybody guys. from Maker Central wants Phil and I to be there. They just don't That's have any what money. I heard. All I the know, poor right, people love Phil and I. Hmm. I'm just saying. Correct. Maybe we should maybe we should start a Patreon uh, like fundraiser. Or a a GoFundMe go, go for Maker Central? Maker Central for Phil and Bill to, to get to Maker Central. I've got time off I can take. That's not an issue. I am self-employed, so... <laughs> so so you're, not, you're not... Like, that's... Yeah. I don't got to ask anybody, except for my wife. <laughs> yes, you do. Except <laughs> my wife and kids and family. But right. uh, Phil, speaking of self-employed, uh, how's unemployment treating you? Funny guy. <laughs> uh, still, um, you know, I had some good meetings uh, yesterday and today. Still plugging away. Um, you know, looking to still get my first big contract. I had a good, uh, uh, good couple of meetings last week. So, I'm, I'm looking over at my whiteboard here, and, and the big board shows me 13 opportunities that are, mm. you know, alive. I just need for one of them to, to sort of come in. What um, it's, just out of curiosity, what if like ten of them came in? Is that a problem? Are, and my wife asked me this question too, and yeah. I was like, you know, if I said to this customer, actually, you know what? Instead of this month, we're going to start next month. No big deal. Yeah, like nobody's house is on fire to implement an ERP system. Right. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows they want to do it. Um, and and also a lot of the times I'm going to be actually I just had a meeting today with uh, with somebody who who does the grants. You can get a government grant to pay for like fifty percent of it. Um, so it takes time to get the grant anyway. So yeah. we just start the ball rolling. Um, yeah. I mean, great problem to have. Is also that's, what, that's what I always say, too. When my wife's like, well, what yeah. if they all come in? It's like, I, I, what a great problem to have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Roll up your sleeves. Uh, you're, yeah. you're, uh, you're coming aboard. Yeah. Uh, no, it'd be amazing. It'd be fantastic. No yeah. worries. Um, and uh, what else? Did I, oh, I started work on, um, on building my... Uh, my DIY lab bench power supply. So if you if you do any electronics work, you basically need like a power supply that you can vary the voltage and the and the amperage, so that you can do these little projects. Anyway, so uh, I started work. I've got all my parts, and uh, actually before the podcast, I was designing a faceplate on the CNC for all the cutouts and knobs cool. and switches and stuff. Cool. So um, so that's fun. Awesome. I feel like I did something else. Anyways, whatever. Uh, I did stuff. I did stuff, Bill. Stuff has been done. Uh, stuff has been done. And uh, actually, I'm going to let uh, Tim lead us into our topic because he has a, a funny little anecdote to share with the group. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I guess I, I gave the long version with the swears in the pre-show. <laughs> what, what's the name of the to- uh, podcast today? Oh, it's a 150-pound shovel. <laughs> but it's super it's, practical. Basically, it it's it snowed this weekend, and it wasn't like a lot of snow or anything. But I had to, besides doing my driveway, I had to do my father-in-law's driveway because um, he wasn't in town. And so I have this this hand-me-down lawnmower from the 80s, or not lawnmower, snowblower from the 80s, and and everything on it's broken and duct taped together and jury rigged together. And and I I go and it get, it got to the point where I was basically just pushing the heaviest shovel on the planet moving the snow in my driveway into where I just eventually just turned the thing off and grabbed the shovel and finished it. Then went over and did my father-in-law's driveway, which is twice as big as mine. Plus he has like this corner lot with all the sidewalk that has to be done. Um, you know, so like maybe two and a half, three times the amount of snow to clear. And I walked into his garage and I, and I pushed the electric start button on his brand new Aaron snowblower and it fired right up and I walked out and I had my isotunes in and I was listening to a podcast and I was done in like... 25% of the time it took me to do my little <laughs> tiny driveway with this brand new snowblower and I, I texted my wife I was like I'm done with our snowblower I'm never using it again I'm gonna I'm gonna go do your father's and then take his over to my house to do mine before, until I bite the bullet I figure I'll wait until spring to buy a snowblower because it's gonna be a lot cheaper then than in, in January mm-hmm. you know and I, I'm just like you know this is ridiculous and, I, and it got me thinking in where our topic kind of goes into about there's a lot of things like that in the shop where you know, we know that there's another tool or, or another, you know, thing out there that could make what we're doing easier, but we just continue to like, ah, I don't need it. I can do it. I can fix it. I can. And then you, when you finally kind of get it, 
like and you go all right you bite the bullet and you buy a new blade or you buy a new and it's like oh my god my life is a hundred times better so it's yep. i mean I'm, uh, we can share stories about some of those cases but then there's also that like is it is it good to put it off and like so then you appreciate it more or is it like is it just like you're just making your life miserable for no reason because you know you're going to spend the money and buy it anyways like why are we waiting Sometimes, sometimes it's legit, and sometimes it's a question of what we've talked about before, which is uh, gear acquisition syndrome. Yeah. You're like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, you know, this what I have is awful. I should really get the better thing, you know. And and sometimes it's that. Um, I'll give you an example of of one where it was legit. So um, my second table saw ever was a, a Delta contractor saw from the, I guess it was from probably from the mid to late 80s. And as as you guys know, a contractor saw is open both on the bottom and on the back because the motor hangs out the back. So dust collection is awful. Not, yes, not you could existing. plug it up, you could, you, yeah, you could jerry-rig some stuff, you can close the base, maybe have a bag back there, but there's nowhere to really put in a proper dust port that'll capture it. And on top of the built-in, you know, uh, design of this kind of saw, I'm pretty sure one of the caps was blown on this motor that I had. So I think I was running it instead of at a at a horse and a half. It was probably running at like, I don't know, three quarters of a horse. So anything beyond pine really bogged it down. And so those kind of, you know, I, I I guess I felt at the time that like maybe I didn't deserve anything better or that. <laughs> I just make do, whatever the case may be. But there, it, it came to a point where I was like, okay, I'm done. And I arranged this Machiavellian transaction. So at one and on Craigslist, or we use Kijiji here because Craigslist is dead. I don't know if Craigslist is still cool where you guys are, but nobody posts anything on Craigslist anymore. It's here. all Facebook Marketplace now. Facebook Marketplace. So I still, Kijiji is still very strong here and Facebook Marketplace too. But anyways, so at the time... I saw this guy was selling this the saw that I have now, which is a jet hybrid. It's basically a cabinet saw. Um, it's enclosed. It's got the dust port. It's, everything is cast iron, and it even came with a sliding table also. I just haven't installed it because uh, it means cutting the fence, and it came with an aftermarket original Beesmeyer fence. 500 bucks. Great. That's a yeah. steal. doesn't even make sense. Yeah. So I jumped on it. I went and I bought it. Or I, I told the guy that I'd go pick it up the next day. Same time, I listed my table saw for three seventy-five, and the only reason I felt good about selling it at that price because I picked it up for a hundred bucks. But I also spent almost three hundred dollars on an aftermarket fence, so I lost twenty bucks in the transaction or whatever. But big deal. I basically got my money back for this thing, and I got so the upgrade cost me a hundred and whatever, a hundred and twenty-five dollars to go from this to this. And, the, and in one weekend, I did the whole swap and revelation. I mean, I take but it for granted now. Suppose suppose you never bought that first saw and your first saw yeah. was the one you have now. Would you appreciate it as much? Uh, do I get to have the awful skill plastic table saw that I had as my first saw? Or... Or no, no, to this I, thing I forgot about nothing. that one. No, this this is your first saw. You went out, you're like, I need a table saw. You bought this saw. Nah, how could I appreciate it? Exactly. Yeah, that's, kind of, that's kind of the question, you know. Yeah. Well, no, I, you can't. Yeah. I, I think there's a balance, though, right? I mean, there's a balance from uh, I have a problem sometimes, and it's more because I can I can justify it, but I have a problem when my pocket knife gets dull, I need a new knife, Right. They're not okay. that expensive. I mean, I buy. It's too, I buy it's too the bad. There's nothing you can do to rectify that problem. Oh, yeah. trust me. Of the 30, 30 pocket knives I have now that are all used, they're all sharp. But Casey doesn't need to know that. Anyway, <clears throat> but there's they're a difference between that and then the other extreme is um, you hang on to something for too long and it will build appreciation. But uh, my first, my first sander that I bought when I when I built her salon. Um, you know, starting to get tools in my shop. It was, it was a little $20, $29 Craftsman, my little orbital random palm sander. And um, I jury-rigged that thing forever. I wore it out. The, the, the cord started fraying, and it pulled out from inside, so I opened it up, and I re-soldered stuff and got it going again. And then after a while, the, the, the Velcro pad was 
not yeah. holding it. So I knew I had to put it on a certain way and not put pressure on it on this side because the thing would fly off. And you just you keep <laughs> you keep babying it because hey, it works fine. The the motor started getting weak on it. So when I started it, I had to let it run for like three seconds in my hand to build up speed before I touched any wood. You know what I'm saying? And you do that thinking it works just fine. So you don't really know, but you know you're just being a cheapo. And then I ended up saying, yeah. you know, okay, finally it just kind of quit, and there was it smelled funny, and and, and I I'm like, okay, it's time, it's time. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a really good one to me, and I went and bought a yellow one, and um, even though it's basically it's the same thing, if I spray painted a new Craftsman, it's probably the you know yellow, it would be the same exact thing, but this one was new and it ran so much more efficient and better. It's like. Okay, maybe I didn't have to wait years before I <laughs> I replaced, you know, a thirty or forty dollar tool. So there is that balance. But yeah, of course I appreciated it. But you have to you have to try and you have to try and resuscitate it a few times at least to get that appreciation, right? You don't but you don't gotta be like Lazarus on that thing. You don't have to bring it back from the dead. You definitely I think need to start with something that isn't the best to be able to appreciate the best or better or whatever the case may be is. I think if you start right away with a workshop full of Saw Stop and Festool and Merca and all these brands, then like either you're a pro and this is what you're doing for a living or you're just spoiling yourself. Like where do you go from there? You know what I mean? Like there's no there's no path to moving forward. It's like if, if you turn 16 and your dad got you like, I don't know, a Lamborghini. Like, like this is the best life has to offer and you're 16 years old. <laughs> Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that happens to some people that go to trade schools because a lot of, you know, if they go to a, a tech school or something and they have all the best of everything and then they can't afford that, you know, and they, you, yeah, you know, that's a, that's a problem. Like, and, you know, like I'm sure like anybody that went to any kind of decent, like, you know, woodworking or trade school would walk into my shop and be like, what's wrong with this guy? You know, <laughs> what is he insane? You know, like this isn't a wood shop, but that's because I've never been to one of those wood shops, you know? It's, yeah, yeah. Me neither. Yeah, I've I've been to my shop and Bill's shop, and <laughs> that might be. I think that's it. maybe it. <laughs> that might be it. <laughs> and I've seen a lot of videos. I've seen, but you know what? So that's that's the thing too, right? So this community and YouTube and Facebook really does let us visit each other's shops and like how yeah. many, um, you know, how many shop tour videos have we all watched going? Huh? Maybe that's pretty smart. Maybe if I did that too, that would be that'd be pretty good. So I think this this happens both on the equipment side of things, where to to do something better if you had a different piece of equipment, but it also comes maybe from setup, maybe it comes from jigs that you see. Um, like I can't even think of how many times I've built some kind of a jig because I thought it was gonna help me that I saw someone else do something. Um, and how much of my gear I've acquired thinking that it was going to help me um, take my projects or whatever. So that when I was doing the whiskey boxes, I'd get a ton of different things thinking that they were going to help me make this faster. Like uh, my brother got me a, a, um, a biscuit joiner for my birthday and I was thinking, oh, I'll use them you know, when I glue up pallets to make panels. Well, I used it once and never use it again. You don't need that. You just use calls. It's fine. The glue is stronger than anything. Anyone tells you that you need to use biscuits for alignment, it's like, you really don't. You just need calls. Um, maybe if it's a very complicated glue-up, I don't know. I, I've never really seen a need for it, uh, for that. There's definitely, uh, you know, and, just so you know, there's there's a biscuit joiner heaven. You just haven't been there yet, but I don't think we'd ever use it. Cabinet making especially. Yes, yeah. face for face frames. Yeah, well, yeah that was face frames. We're shelving everything to where you can just boom, 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 you put things together. But yeah, most of us, that's, I think you hit the nail on the head. We buy a biscuit joiner to help with glue ups. Mm. That's not what it's for. Yeah, it, really slows yeah. you, it slows you down half the time, but. Um, yeah, it's yeah. an extra yes. step you don't have to do. Yeah. It's a, and it's a big step because you got to put in, let's say, I don't know, a four foot board. You're going to put in five, six of these biscuits at every seam. Like, holy crap, to mark it out and cut them and. Well, uh, glue it up, put, put six in. biscuits. That's twelve cuts you got to make. And mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I that's one of those yeah. tools that would would actually fit into this this topic that I never you know had one. Then then I think it was Bradley Boggs gave me one. Um, yeah, and uh, and I was like, you know, making at the time I was making a lot of dining tables, and so for putting together large, heavy, two inch thick slabs, it's actually pretty help handy. Yeah. 
and so it, you know, it's not that it's not that it was really um, you know helping. It, it definitely slowed the process down. But for trying to clamp these uneven reclaimed boards it's, it's together, it's for alignment. It's for yeah, yeah it was, it's, it's a helping hand basically when you use it like that for the yeah. larger panels and stuff. And it, it was over. I mean, it was an extra step, but overall, it, it definitely. And I was like, oh, this is really nice to have. Would I ever have bought one? No, I don't think. I, yeah. I don't think it. It was a game changer like that. But having it is really nice. You know, mm-hmm. um, table saw is another one. Like I used to. Like I had one of those those horrible uh, table saws you put on top of your workbench. You know, and I, I cut myself yes. on it. And because uh, it was like everything bogged down, I was stupid. I wasn't using a push stick, and I, you know, I. And I was like, I, then I got rid of it. I was like, I'm not going to use a table saw. You know, I'm still playing music full time. I'm just not going to have one. So I did everything with a skill saw. I was really good with a skill saw on a fence, like ripping quarter inch, <laughs> you know, trim and stuff. Like, I just, I was just like, I don't have a table saw. And then I broke down and bought a table saw. And it was like, oh my God. Like, you know, I'd watched some YouTube videos. I understood how to use it a little better. And I was like, this is mm-hmm. a game. And then, and then to go from that to having a, a proper cabinet saw now, like, again, it's like this, you know. Crazy, no? Yeah, yeah. To just have it, it doesn't move when I put something against it. Like, you know, it doesn't start rolling down the driveway. That was the scariest part of that that first table saw that I had was that it felt so unsafe. And even as a beginner, I knew this isn't right. Like, it's so loud. Too chintzy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a problem, too. Yeah, because it's a direct drive saw. It's like they scream at you the whole time. And it's in that open saw videos for. Yeah, it's nothing. And and yeah. and you'd watch videos and see like, oh, uh, the best way to improve these things is to put on a zero clearance insert plate. And I'm like, wait, my insert plate is a piece of sheet steel just screwed <laughs> on with two screws. <laughs> I can't I can't make my own insert plate. So yeah. you know all these jigs and tricks and things like that that you just can't use with those kinds of things. Um, you know, I see you see on the Facebook groups all the time where people are talking about buying a job site saw for a shop and doing woodworking and I and I always bite my tongue not to say something because maybe it is a question of budget, but I always feel like saying, and sometimes I have, you know what, just go buy a used contractor saw. Just get a big, heavy, if, if it's a question of money, you can get for 100 hundred, $150, $200 at the absolute most, a cast iron top contractor saw that won't move when you work it, that'll work with jigs, that's magnetic, that has proper miter slots, all those things, and it's got a real, you know, belt-driven motor. Don't don't get a job site saw unless you actually have to go to a job site. Well, I had, yes and no. I, had I think that's great advice, yeah. but um, uh, having a job site saw, a lot of times, it's not only money, but it's space, it's portability. It, I had uh, that. I had two of those Bosch yeah. job site saws. Yeah. I had the the hydraulic lift stand, and it rolled out real easy. Yep. And that was a really good saw. I would buy that again. Um, yeah, and it depends on what you're making on it too. It's not yeah. for taking down sheets of plywood. It's not. I've done no. it. It sucks. Um, yeah. But for making smaller picture frames and small projects and boxes and things like that, mm. it's okay. But when you start, if, especially if you're starting out, that would be a good thing to learn appreciation, right? You start off on yeah. a job site saw. It's somewhat limited in what it can do. Your next step is to find a good cabinet saw or hybrid or something. Then you're like, whoa! It's because you're making bigger and better things. You know, it's, it's, but those job site saws are really expensive. You take a look at one that isn't the crap that I had, right? They're still yes f- four to six hundred dollars no, I mean, for these things. Well, that I Bosch mean, was five hundred bucks. The Dewalt is five hundred bucks. But I tell you what, I'm a I'm a new woodworker, and I don't know, I don't know yeah. with the used cabinet saw if I'm getting ripped off at five hundred dollars. Like, but I do know if I buy a brand new Bosch. No, but the box these people are asking on the Facebook groups. Well, again, I think you have to really, it's, it's good advice, Phil. That I mean, mm-hmm. telling them that it's, you know, what this is going to serve you better if you've got the mm-hmm. space and, and the knowledge to use it. But anytime you buy something that's portable, it's less scary, right? It just is. You don't know why it's less scary. It just is because I don't have this mammoth in my garage that can, you know, mm-hmm. I can build a house thing- with. But I can make some really cool boxes with this little one. So it, it might be just yeah. a, a getting used to it yeah. thing, too. Yeah, there is something less intimidating about like a hand drill than a drill press, you know. Right. A lot of makers yeah. start with hand tools, like, even though like a, a hand drill is like kind of like the worst tool ever invented. <laughs> like if you know, because it never drills straight. There's no there's no straight lines on the thing. There's no level on the thing. It drives me crazy. Why do they all look like ray guns? Like just give me a flat edge. But anyways, somewhere to reference. Yeah, yeah that's true. You know, but mine um, had a. I have one that's got a bubble on the on the. Back I've of it seen so that, that you can, but yeah, eh, doesn't really work. If it I really it need doesn't a, work. Yeah. No. Well, it does work. I just can't work it. But 
Yeah. Uh, well, but if I need let, to drill let, straight, let me see. Let me see you take your drill press and go out and put your deck together, right? Let, yeah. Let me, let me say you take your drill well, press know, and go I to know, that concrete what, wall and put in yeah. a couple of anchors. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can do that. The trick to place. a straight dri- the trick to a straight hole with a uh, with a drill is is a is a V block, right? So you cut yourself yeah, a little a notched yeah. piece of wood so that you can line up your drill bit. Yeah. It if, helps you know if better. You're, if you're using a drill though, a, port, a cordless drill. To drill straight holes, and that's what you do a lot of. After a while, you don't need a V block. You don't need anything. You get good you just, at it. You just get good. Yes. Yeah, you yeah, learn. I mean, you learn the drill. You know. Yeah. yeah. There's also jigs though too. Like there are those things that let you drill straight holes. You you clamp. It's got spring activated. You know, and you can actually set angles to it if you need to drill a 30 degree hole. Uh, Milescraft makes one. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> just saying. You know, uh, ha- having yeah. having the jigs is, is uh, maybe another thing that when is the time to put that puppy to bed? When you're having to create all these different jigs to make the the tool you have do things that another tool would do correctly. Yes. You know, because you end up with 30 jigs in your shop, and then it's like, you know, when you could have just went, you know, you take your, uh, just watch Jimmy's uh, video where he, what the heck did he even do? I was so amazed by it. Um uh, he made the scissors, right? The guy makes a yep. pair of scissors. Holy moly! Anyway, he uses his great big new bandsaw, bandsaw blade welder, all in one, encompassing. Looks like it weighs ten thousand pound bandsaw uh, to do that to cut the metal like he does with a piece of wood on his smaller band. You know what I'm saying? He did that with yeah. the metal. And my comment was, you've come a long way from clamping your porta band to the tabletop, right? Mm. Right. Yeah. So, so there's a thing. It's like if you're, if you're doing a lot in that case, you're doing a lot of metal work. You got different jigs. You learn how to clamp it to this. You're using something kind of improperly, but it works. Um, mm-hmm. If you're cutting a lot of cove on your table saw by sliding things at an angle to it, maybe it's time to buy a cove cutter. You know what I'm saying? There's all these different things where you, eventually it's like I'm doing it all the time. Why not? When do you do that? Especially as reclaimers, it's hard for us. But when do you take that step? Let's put this puppy to bed. I need the real deal so I can do these things. Right. You know, the, the the one that comes to my mind is the jointer, which I still haven't bought, although I have one now. But it's because I can, I can joint with a plane. I can joint on the table saw. I can joint, you know, there's a million ways I can joint. And to buy a tool that's relatively expensive and takes up a decent amount of space that only does one job, it's difficult for me to 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 buy that, right? But then I'm over at Dave Gagne's house, and he's got a jointer in his basement, and it's got like a pile of clothes on it. I'm like... What's that? He's like, oh, I got it for my buddy. He closed his shop. He's like, I got no room to. S-. I was like, I was like, can I buy that off you? He's like, he's like, how about I put it in your shop and I borrow it if I need it? And he hasn't once come over to use it. He does metal work, you know. But so like, stop reminding him that he lent it to you. Yeah, he doesn't listen to this podcast anymore. I'm sure. But um, okay, great. But, but uh, no, I just saw him. I just saw him. I was telling him how I use it all the time and how how great it is. But uh, it's just like one of those things. Like having that, you're like, oh, it only does one thing and it costs six hundred bucks. You're like, yeah, you know. But it's but oh it my god, it's well. so nice to do that one thing. It's so yeah. nice. It saves so much time. It's like oh, I got to glue these things together real quick. Done. You know, like ah. Oh. But, um, you know where I find it's great? Like, obviously, it's for, like, fine woodworking and for hardwood and dimensioning, all that stuff. I, f- I use it a lot with dimensional lubber, like 2x4s, when I'm trying to do something rounds. with a 2x4. Yeah. But you oh want my it to be legit. Yeah. I, need, I need it to be yeah. straight, yeah. Yeah, because so, nothing's, you know, nothing's ever straight. It, it looks straight, but it's not. And, you, and you, when you hit it on a jointer, no. you realize that pretty quickly, you know. Um, but if you let it go for that, like, if you don't line up, you mill it that day. You come back tomorrow, it's, it's going to be straight. warped again. It's warped again, yeah. yeah. You know, maybe a really dense wood might still be straight, but then two days later, no, nah, it's warped again. <laughs> you know what? Here's a good point, right? So when we all first started out, you know, we were like, ah, I could build fine furniture. Well, look at this cheap wood they have here at Home Depot. <laughs> look at this. There's this a bite fantastic. the bullet. That's a good one. Mm. Yeah. So like, so not just the tools, right? But the material also. Because you take a look at what they sell at the Home Depot, they sell dimensional lumber and and uh, plywood and a lot of the times you know the good stuff's really expensive so you look at the construction grade stuff you're like yeah that's fine yeah okay i'll just sand it a little bit more yeah i'll just saw it a little bit more but then you really realize how green that wood is and how much it moves and if you don't have a riving knife on your saw how quickly it's going to bind and pinch your blade and how quickly it can get dangerous um and and it's just it's unstable and it's it's not fun to work with 
you know, well, and I think that's a rite of passage. Mm. And I know, I know, I, I feel like I've gone through it where I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. Yeah, that, that's a good one. That there, there's no, uh, there's no need like to if you're doing like with Tim, right? You're doing a lot more joints. Having a jointer makes sense. You're doing a lot more of this. Buy that tool that does that. But as far as materials go. If if you're liking what you're doing in woodworking, you want to actually. It's like you know, I've I've made fifty of these rocking chairs out of two by fours, and they just they're just not quite up to snuff. Yeah, buy some wood. Go to the lumber yard. It's called lumber yard, not Home Depot. Go to the lumber yard, and you're going to be amazed that you'll spend some money, but you're going to be amazed at how much pride you take in that thing that you've just made. You bite the bullet. You spend the money. Now I just made grandma a rocking chair or a beautiful chest or something like that and it is beautiful and it smells so much better than two by fours <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't gum up your machinery right like yeah it's just it's that a whole new level right pine is soft it mills nicely but it gums up your all your all your stuff like that resin burning and it's just sticky on your blades anyways uh, there's there's my rant about that but you're right. I mean, buying proper wood for these projects that's kiln dried, that doesn't move, that's much more stable, yeah. mills nice. It, it, but it is a part of that rite of passage. That, like, you know, in the in the music world, when I used to teach kids to play guitar, like, you know, parents would always say, well, what kind of guitar should I buy? And I'm just like, just get the cheapest one you can. Like, you know, and like, yeah, it's, you know, I was like, don't get it at a toy store, get it at a music store, but get the, you know, get the cheap one. Like, let them, let them earn it. Like, learn on that hard one, because then when you do get that second guitar that's actually like a couple hundred bucks and it's a little bit better, it's like yep. yeah. that you've, you've proven that your interest level is there, you know, like, and you didn't spend a bunch of money on something you're not interested in, and you've, and you've worked at it, and you've managed to get a couple chords out of this guitar, but you still suck. <laughs> but, but you're into it, and then you get this guitar that all of a sudden you put your fingers down and it plays... And you and you're you're Stevie Ray Vaughan. You're just like all you just feel all your confidence. <laughs> you know your confidence goes up. You're like all of a sudden you're excited, and it's like it's you it's it, you're reborn into the world. Yeah. Of, you know and re excited, and so that's kind of what I think about with these tools. But then I also think about it, and maybe this is more appropriate to a lot of the people listening to this podcast. Is that you get to a point where like you know when I was playing professionally. And like, you know, I had like the, the broken tuner pedal on my, you know, that I'm like kicking every week and I like, you know, you know, it's like the j jiggling the jack and it's just like, just go spend the hundred bucks and get another tuner pedal. It'll make everything about this gig easier. But I hem and haw and put it off for a month, two months. I don't want to spend a hundred dollars, yeah. you know, it'll be, it's fine. And then you get new, the new one. It's like, oh my God, I'm in tune. Everything's working. There's no noise. I'm not, you know, aggravating the band with my static, you know, it's like like there's where's that level like when have I been doing this long enough to where I'm like you know what I don't need to go out and buy the Harbor Freight version I should just go out and get the real one now yeah well mm -hmm. there's that there's that surprise factor too where you don't know that you've been being a cheapo you don't you don't even realize that you've needed to bite the bullet because you don't you, you bought this tool you use it you're not aware of the fact that it just sucks right but you go over to your buddy's house and all of a sudden you use his thing and you're like mm, oh yeah. my goodness i had no idea that's kind of like the <laughs> best bite the bullet because now you're like yeah I'm, I'm i'm not even going back home i'm going to the store first i'm buying yeah. my new jig whatever and yeah. taking it home that that's it's just awesome that's how I've pulled my phone out and ordered things <laughs> at other people's houses oh, yeah. and stuff in the past yeah. for sure. We're like, oh, Absolutely. this is this is what that. life can be, and that's what happened to me snowblowing this weekend. I like, I just it was over the course of the time this deterioration of my equipment. And all of a sudden, I just realized that I was living in the Stone Age. You know, it's like, oh, well, it's a series of compromises, right? Like every yeah. week, you're like, yeah, this part fell off, but you know what, I can make do. Yeah. Oh, okay, that part fell off. Well, yeah, I, I can. Mm. Get, you know, until you you're like the frog being boiled alive in the pot. You know, because I don't know if it's actually true, but there's this uh, I, yeah. myth uh, yeah. that you that a frog cannot really sense very slow temperature changes. So you mm. put it in a pot of water and you very slowly bring it to a boil, and it'll never leave the pot. And it'll usually, I use that as a metaphor can. for. Right, and and yeah. usually I use that as a metaphor for people who stick around in a job that they hate because it got it's gotten bad very slowly to the point yeah. where they're constantly making these compromises. Oh um, yeah, that's anyways, my so. wife and I have had a few conversations like that about uh, like her old job and you know some jobs I've been in. I remember Maddie when she was young, like when Gwen and I were just married and she was like maybe eight years old, and I had two cars because I always have two cars and. One of them I didn't drive anymore. It was one of my old Volvos, like the and uh, the emissions was up. I had to go get the emissions done, and I was watching her, you know. And I we're driving around. It was like July. I was like rushing to get this done. The windows don't open. The air conditioner doesn't work. The sunroof leaks, 
and uh, and, fi- <laughs> and, f- and fifth gear doesn't work, and I got this poor kid in the back, and she's got to climb across to get to the car seat because her door doesn't open, and uh, and, <laughs> and we go to the the, the DMV, not the the inspector, and he's it's like an hour wait, and it's sunny, and I go, you know, I'm like, I'll just go, I'm just gonna let it lapse, I'll be late, whatever. I take her home, we're driving home, and I'm all aggravated. She's from the back seat, she just goes. Why don't you just throw this thing away? She's like, nothing works, and you don't drive it. <laughs> and I, and I like, I, I pulled over, and I was just like, you're right. I should just throw this away, and I did. I called it very next day, and I had a tow truck come in, and I got a couple hundred bucks donated it to public radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> From the mouths of babes. Yeah. From the mouths of babes. I got one for one that I didn't know how badly I needed it until I got it. Um, was I, I upgraded from a 12 volt drill to a 18 volt cordless drill? <laughs> yeah, that's so a good one. That's, that's a good a one. That's a leap. Yeah. That's a night and day one. So I was I was doing a lot. Actually, I did a video where I did this corner shelf or whatever. And in watching that video, I realized how much I'd been struggling to just drill a uh, hole with a countersink in it. Because I really got to push, and the whole thing shakes because it's it's struggling to do it. And then I was like, okay, it's. It's time. As I was editing that video, I was like, "Okay, it's time. I need a." So I went onto whatever Kijiji, and uh, and I found a brand new Bosch with a charger, two batteries, sixty bucks. It was whatever. Let's say it was 20, 20 miles away, but it was worth it. So I went and I got it. I brought it home. I used it to. I just tested one out to drill. Oh my god! What have I been doing? I'm an idiot. How long have I been sitting here with this? Uh, you know. This this thing that's meant to drive a couple of screws a couple of times a week it's not it's not the same thing. I have one blue Ryobi. That's how old it is. Twelve volt oh drill still. Uh, yeah, and for it, precision. Was that for precision work? Yeah, I just I keep exactly. I keep my <laughs> tiny. I have the smallest drill bit I have in it for like those little tiny screws on guitars, and it doesn't go fast, so I can't snap it. Like you know, you're not like mm-hmm. torque, and I just that's it. I could probably just use a hand drill. It'd be just as easy. Because I have to keep the battery on the charger, and I take the battery off the charger, put it in, and I get my one yeah. hole out, and then I put the battery back in. You could probably sneeze that hole into that wood. No, I just use the ice pick, just poke it, push a little harder. But, but it cracks me up every time I use it, too, because I think, like, I remember when I got my first one of these, and I was like, this is awesome, you know? I'll never need another drill again. Yeah, exactly. Now they got, like, 60-volt batteries and everything you know <laughs> you know Phil, you, men- you mentioned uh, at the beginning don't go out and buy the biggest and the best because you won't have something to compare it to to learn how to appreciate it there's also don't go always off buying the biggest and the best because you won't you can't utilize it for what it does and my my reference point for this when I was uh, selling Toyotas in Utah uh, all the golf pros would come in and get their service done, and I realized that's because they got it for free because they'd all trade lessons, and the owner got their golf for free. So I was like, cool. And the guy's like, hey, you ever golf? No. He said, well, come on down. We'll give you some lessons and, and blah, 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 blah. So I went down there, and they actually fitted me, gave me some clubs that were measured for me. I mean, it was it was pretty cool. But mm, then I yeah. realized that uh, after a couple of years of playing golf and, and being consistent with it, it's like, you don't need measured clubs. You don't need to spend lots of money on clubs. If you're going to get interested in golfing and you don't have like a deal like I had, right? You go down to the sporting goods store and you buy a $200 set of clubs and you call it good because more than likely if you golfed every weekend for the rest of your life, you still wouldn't be good enough to outdo those clubs, right? Mm-hmm. The pros, they, you know what? They get a certain club because they know that they will give them eight inches more drive because that's how precise they are. You going out there mm-hmm. with a $500 driver or a $10 driver, you're going to hit the ball the same exact every time. You yeah. just not, Now, if you get to this, some point where you actually you outgrow the performance of what it is you're doing, then, then you go get something better. But you don't need to get a saw stop when you first start because, well, I wouldn't, maybe you should because it's well, a that's, great safety. Yeah, the that's safety a little, feature. But you don't need a power But you, you don't need the DeWalt 60-volt right. system to start off with, right? You can, yeah. you can buy just the drill with the 20-volt and call it good and then you're like oh this is handy I want another tool like that then go forward with it you know Hmm. anyway yep agreed I think we had an episode one time where we were calling and I think actually Izzy was the guest on this one I think it was called paying your dues right Mm. and I think a lot a lot of this comes from that you know you kind of I do feel you have to grow into your tools and you've got to graduate with them into the next 
level so that you one you you get good enough to where you've earned it and two to where you sort of understand what you can do with the better tool right is 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 what my opinion is on that subject yeah it's just Mm -hmm. it's it's that balance you know take your time but don't don't drag it out don't beat that horse to death right yeah yes yeah yeah learn when to cash it in too yeah is there any time where you'd say to somebody you know what just Get the best thing right away. Don't bother with uh, with this graduation I nonsense. I don't think I'd ever say get the best one ever. Like I, I just kind of feel like, I, and I'm sure I said this in the podcast before, but you always buy the one in the middle, right? Because the cheap one's going to disappoint you, and the and the, the most expensive one is going to have a bunch of stuff you don't need. It's and it's you're paying yeah, yes. for a name. There, but the middle is a wide range. There's times when I have given that advice to somebody starting off, and it's usually construction related. If you got a kid that's going to work for the summer. And he's a uh, you know he's basically a laborer helping framing and stuff like that for a house. Go out and buy a quality tool belt. Go out and buy a quality S- hammer. hammer. Don't buy yeah. the cheap one. Buy the best you can afford because even though yeah. these are basics though, but that I promise you, swinging that the right correct hammer, the right weight, that's quality, not going to slip out of your hand, is going to save you tons of frustration. And you'll have that hammer when you say no, for the rest of your life. Start off with the best you can afford because you need that. It's gonna it's yeah. gonna be safer. Yeah. It's gonna be better. And you don't have a choice. You didn't. It's not like, well, I'm going to try and build a, a napkin holder. No, it's like you're going to go frame houses this summer because you want to buy a car. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. And even if that, so kid I think never our does, advice is just even if that kid never does construction again, he'll have that hammer for the rest of his life. That's true. You know, and you can yeah. give it to me for the good advice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which he should. I, you know, I was thinking this. This advice is probably like almost divided equally down the middle between, well, are you doing this for fun or are you doing this to make a living? If you're doing this to make a living, you probably ought to get the best you possibly can get because you're making your living at it. This isn't, you know, this isn't a joke. It's not for fun. It's not to have a good time on the weekend. This is to put food on the table. Like, I know you've given this advice before, Bill, which was always get the best boots you can afford because you're on these things yeah. all day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So maybe that's where the case is. If you're If you're a tradesman, you know, Get the best tools you can afford, or the best tools, period, because I know some of these come with finance plans. Um, yeah. You know, you're making your living on this thing. And for all us hobbyists, make do, I guess, until until you I think grow. it's almost natural, though. You don't have to worry about that. Like you were saying, you, you kind of grow into it, right? A passage. That just kind of happens. That's 99% yeah. of the time, I think that's how people do do it. But for for those who are questioning or wanting to know, listen to this podcast again, and uh, you'll yeah. be fine. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I like I like to double down on the I'd like to double down on like the the table saw like the first one felt really unsafe to me and the second one was a question of dust control, um, but uh, yeah I think that's one of those first things where you where you ought to graduate and take a look at that if you're still using one of these little rinky dink table saws it it's almost a question mm-hmm. of life and death take take a look see and see if you should be upgrading if you're if you're using it once every six months. Stick, keep it if you're if you're out there every weekend or every other weekend go spend the money on a table saw yeah yeah you know another thing we can throw real quick at the end is uh uh the maker spaces are a thing now if you're considering mm-hmm. any kind of yes. tool go find a maker space see what you think about it because yeah you may not need a table saw get your skill saw do a tim there might be a saw stop you can well. use yeah, yeah you know might be a yeah. saw stop you can use that yeah. is fantastic advice. I hardly ever think about that, obviously, because, well, we're spoiled and that we all have our own shops. But if yeah. I was an apartment liver, I probably would be a Makerspace member. Actually, I was uh, a silly story, but I was thinking about opening up my own Makerspace a few years back. I don't know if I told you guys about this, but anyways, I was looking into it. So I went to go visit a couple of them around the city just to see what it was all about and see how many, you know, how many people... Um, how, how many people were members and it turned out that it probably wasn't such a great business but um, mm. from a profitability point of view but but it was cool it was really cool like they had you know they had woodworking they had metalworking they had 3D printing they had CNC and uh, and I'd love to spend my days there but I don't think it was profitable enough but all to say if you don't have a garage or an outbuilding on your property you know then maker spaces are a great great way to get into this hobby and to really you know uh enjoy yourself mm-hmm. indeed so we should talk about them more often i guess yeah um yes. let's see here what's next on the old rocket docket do we have any itunes reviews 
I don't think so, unless there's some no, on the uh, international. The entirety of our audience is slacking. Hmm. Let's see if we've got an internationale here. Dead air that we're filling with. La la la. You got one? We, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Well, it's from the Bahamas, but oh, it's our God. friend John made it. <laughs> he's, been a, he's been busy, I guess. We haven't heard from him in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, it just The review just says, hashtag Maker Jenga. Have you heard about this thing? I heard something about it. It's um, I think it's from Maker Central. Everybody's supposed to bring one Jenga piece to a specific dimension, you know, and then they're going to set up a big manga, Maker Jenga thing. I heard it was supposed to be like... Yes, you. It's an agreed upon size, and yeah. you sort of swap pieces with other makers so that your set is made up of nothing of one-offs from a different right. maker. Oh, so everybody makes a set and they all like trade one or something. I get. I guess so. Yeah. 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 That is so cute. It is. It is. Cute. I know. It's a good idea. It's it's yeah. adorable. <laughs> um, so that's look up fun. the hashtag for the real story because we could all be wrong. There's hashtag Maker Jenga. So, and if you're going to yeah. Maker Central, you may want to do that because uh, it sounds like fun. It'd be, I'm sure there's going to be some really creative uh, entries, you know. Yeah, brass inlays. I'd like to see that. <laughs> um, let's see, weekly tip segment. I'm let, struggling to think of. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. Because it ties in with our, our topic. And um, and I before we even came up with the topic, before I went off on my snowblower rant in the pre-show, I wrote this down. Mm -hmm. It was based on what I was doing talking about last week, where I just I, I put a little shelf up for my laptop and I moved this. You know, these are like little changes I made in my shop. And so my tip is to rethink your workflow. This is I'm just writing, reading what I wrote. Don't just accept the current situation as the best, since you may have changed. Um, meaning that like you know we we build out our shops and. And, uh, you know, and we like, well, this is where I keep this drill. Like I had a spot on the wall where I put my drill and my, and my screw gun, but now mm -hmm. like I find myself not putting it back and leaving it on the shelf. It's all around this, this new CNC, you know, and I've got the computer. And so the, where I kept the drill before was kind of close to the other CNC because I grab it a lot to, you know, screw stuff down to the wasteboard and stuff. But now I have to walk to get it. And so now I'm just like leaving it over by. So I was just kind of today. I was like, hmm, I think it's time to rethink where I'm putting these so I just like I don't want to ever be that guy that gets like oh well this is where they go like well maybe not maybe they need to move you know so just kind of don't mm -hmm. don't think like oh I always have to just because you've been putting those those tools in that same spot for 10 years doesn't mean that's the best place for them anymore think about when you're working think about what you're walking for and think about what you're reaching for you know because it's changing I've got a I've got a tip to accomplish that for those of us that don't have too big of a workshop and I, I do this quite often. Um, I, I didn't mean that snidely, and even no, though he's yeah. getting a little he too did. big for his britches. But for those of us normal, like humans, um, <laughs> what I happen to do once a year, if not more often, is it's really easy because I don't have too much. Open the garage door, nice day, pull everything out of the garage. Seriously. Mm -hmm. I mean, just roll out all the carts and all the benches and bring the tables out as much as you can and just just by having to put them back together you will automatically go oh you know what mm. boom oh you know what boom this would be easier if this is uh -huh. i mean it's just yeah. it automatically happens every time i put my garage back together it's different it's a little bit different sometimes it's majorly different but that's an easy way to do it and it lets you clean it out so you go for a full bore spend the whole weekend if you have to that'll help you that'll help you with the workflow it'll be automatic Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think these, I think our workshops shouldn't be these static things. They're meant to be these evolving sort of things where over the years as what you make changes and, you know, the direction of the kinds of things that you build changes that the shop has to change too. Um, and, and I'll reference Tim's video here. If there's a thing that you find that you're leaving all over the place, why not make a custom belt holster for it? And that way it's just <laughs> always on you. <laughs> Yeah. I thought you were going to mention the fact that he was blowing glue out of his nose. No, that's disgusting, and we're never going to talk about it. <laughs> okay. That's that's our tips. Yeah, you do um, you. I'm doing everyone a favor. <laughs> uh, you know what, what wasn't uh, really in my nose, right? You do realize that was just a, a camera angle trick. I didn't really snort glue. 
and just making sure. Listen, you Hollywood. say what you want. I know what I saw. <laughs> Listen, Hollywood. I know what I saw exactly. I know what I saw. Hollywood sway. It sounds like a uh, that's right. Hollywood. We could either call him Hollywood. I've been thinking about this. We could either call him Hollywood, or we could call him Showtime. Ooh, I like Showtime. Showtime sway. I kind of like that. Showtime. The alliteration. Yeah. 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 Timmy right. Showtime okay. sway. <laughs> show yeah, show mix like... sway. Showtime mix sway. We we'll get a little uh, Irish thing going on there. That's Scottish. Here we go. Um, our websites, williamlutz.com, timsway.net. Well, well, what are you doing? What caught oh, your attention this week, pal? we got to do it quick. Uh, oh, I guess. Okay. I got... Uh, I have uh, Do two. it. Do it. Tell us. Okay, first, uh, I didn't actually watch it, but showed up in my subscription feed. Rex Kruger made a video about making router plane chisels. Came out like the day after we recorded our podcast last week. That's so funny. <laughs> so, because we were talking about router plane chisels. Yeah. Um... So that, and then the other, the other one. Oh, do you want to say something about that, Bill? Uh, one of mine was going to be Pask makes. It showed up in my feed. Router plane, uh, making a router plane, homemade router plane. Pask makes is amazing. Anyway, he's the ultimate upcycler, right? But yeah, he did right. the same thing. Yeah, he made it out of some chisels and. So. No, our phones aren't listening to us, guys. You're being Big paranoid. brother, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then the other one I wanted to mention was I just my wife just pointed me to the story today, and I'm sure I've said this on the podcast a hundred times, but I used to say when I was a musician that I wanted to die by walking off stage and going, eh, I could have done better, and then just die. That, that's how I want to live my life, you know. And um, but this is a true story. An artist named David Olney was performing a concert. He's 71 years old, and he's he's sitting. He's like a folk musician, and he's sitting on stage. And he suddenly he stopped playing, and he said, "I'm sorry." And then he bowed his head down, and he died. And oh, wow. I just I, like on stage, and they went, and he didn't even fall out of his chair. He didn't drop his guitar. I think it was a heart attack. It came, out. and I just thought that was like the most beautiful. I mean, it's sad, obviously, that this man died. But I also thought it was the most beautiful way to possibly die, doing what you love to the very last minute of your life. I just thought that was a really magical sort of story, and I just wanted to I, share I that. I get that. I get that. That is kind of yeah. cool. Bless like, I can't, I can't think of a better way to die myself, you know? like Really? Yeah. Really? I can think of several much better ways <laughs> um, as, I'm, as I'm staring down the barrel of 40 this year, uh, you know, I'll be turning 40 this year i'm thinking how very close 71 actually is to 40 and that i would not like to die at that age <laughs> phil you know this no, it's, that that's basically young, from but... here on out you don't count your birthdays up you just start counting down because yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. <It's> 71 t minus <laughs> yeah that's awful <laughs> you know in my bed with a load right. of beautiful women, I think would be a better way to go. But fair enough, you die on stage and want, everyone could watch you crap your pants. Um, here we go. What else do we have here? Oh, Bill, you didn't uh, go, right? What? Uh, uh, what oh, uh, that, that it was weird about past makes in the router plane. Uh, yeah. But one other thing I was going to say is um, Izzy's out of the hospital yeah. on his way home. Yes. Videos of him walking around, incredible. We love you, brother. And uh, that's it for me. Yes, I, be, we, I think we've all been sort of following Izzy's progress and oh, yeah. super Indeed. happy Indeed. that everything went yeah. well for him. So yeah. that's great. Um, thank you to uh, Bill Lutz for sending me those uh, those router plane chisels. I'm super excited to build my own. So that's that's the project that's going to be right after this power supply. You've got two video references you can use now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Actually, they didn't. Uh, well, I don't. I don't know about uh, what Pass did or what Neil did, but uh, but Rex's he used a chisel, like an actual chisel. So I'm not going to be using that, right? Yeah, he, that's no. what he did. Pass did the same thing. He, he used yeah. a chisel to make the, the bit. Okay, but the the, the build yeah. of the plane itself. Yeah, it's a little different because you need to have a tensioner that holds the blade. There are a lot of videos that actually do it with this style cutter, and it's a little not bit if different. you start working out, pal. I did start working out. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> uh, true story. Uh, la two weeks ago, I had a friend of mine over, and uh, and he doesn't look like he's in the best of shape. And I don't know how push-ups came up, but I was like, how many could you do? There's no way you're going to beat me. Anyways, I got to 28, and he was still going into his 30s. And, uh, and I made – I was like, this guy beat me? Forget. I've been doing uh, – I've been doing push-ups – Every single day since then, I'm now up to 50, <laughs> and I can't wait for him to come over again. But all kidding aside, I, I, love that I really do feel much I love better. That, <laughs> I love that the reason you're working on it is just to spite your friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I've oh, I want on the show before. 
that I am Jewish, right? This is what we do. Most of what we do is out of spite. Well, now you have two reasons to, to not die on stage at 71 and to beat your friend at push-ups. That's right. That's right, Lee. It ain't happening again. Oh, God. Um, yeah. So, um, and, and uh, what caught my attention? I don't know. I've been watching a lot of Rex Kruger, and I... I, I watch a lot of Neil's videos too, so just put me down for one of each. Okay. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, I talked to. I already said the website. I'll say them again. It's very important stuff. WilliamLutz.com, TimSway.net, and NewPerspectivesMusic.com. Guys, I want you to contact us for show topics, suggestions, questions, feedback, all that good stuff. We absolutely love hearing from you guys. Info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com or hit us up on Twitter at Reclaimed Audio. On iTunes, we will read out any and all five-star reviews, so go ahead and leave those. Uh, we've made it easy to do so by going to our website, reclaimedaudiopodcast.com. Click on the link, and it will open up your iTunes where you can leave that review. Uh, same deal with Patreon. There's a link for it on our website. Otherwise, you can go to patreon.com slash reclaimedaudio and, uh, and you can help these three guys stay on the air because what we're here to do is entertain you week in week out and it's like our fourth year it's crazy really enjoying it though i feel like we're getting better and better and it's more and more fun as long as we're happy yeah as long as we're having fun that's all that matters (laughs) i think where i'm going with that is that the quality of the show and of the content works better the happier we are and the more we mesh but thank you for making me feel awful well I, I'm going to agree with you, and maybe for year five, you'll actually start paying me instead of me paying you. That makes no sense. <laughs> I think <laughs> much like <laughs> much like the Constitution of the United States, the original agreement should stand forever with no changes. <laughs> I'm all for amendments. Okay, I'm I'm for none. <laughs> On that note, hmm. on that note, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening, to this guys, uh, this week, and uh, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. I think I could have done that better. <laughs> <laughs> that was my dying sound, I guess. <laughs>